Hello, I'm Brett Gilliland, host of the Circuit of Success podcast, and here's what's coming up on the show. That is where I really learned, like, wow, those were pretty big mistakes. But the good thing is, is it's actually what has made me who I am today, but also huge learnings from a glow perspective, because I can identify I can identify when people are not aligned really quickly because I was that person yeah. for so long. Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Whitney Kenter in the office with me. Whitney, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you. It's uh, it's exciting. I got introduced to you from uh, Kristen. Kristen yeah. said great things about you at a uh, at a lunch the other day, and I said, you know what? I gotta I gotta meet her and. Uh, Reached out to you on LinkedIn, and not even a week later, here we are. So it's been awesome. Um, Well, you are the founder of Glow Connective, and uh, you've had an unbelievable career and been in the finance industry and now doing this thing with Glow, and I can't wait to dive into that. But if you can, Whitney, just maybe give us a little lay of the land on what's made you the woman you are today. Oh, my gosh. That seems like a very loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to be brief. Um, I think... When I think about my life, I feel like it's been this very nonlinear, but very synchronistic path. When I, you know, it's easy to look back and say, oh, that was clearly the time to do this change or whatever. But from a career perspective, I feel like even though I've been in finance, accounting, wealth management, all of these very quantitative driven fields, my interest the entire time has always been on the humans and their behaviors and how they make decisions and what they are concerned about. And even in my very early career days, I'd be, as a tax professional at KPMG, I'd be sitting with these CEOs and we'd be talking about, you know, after they do this big transaction, what are they going to do? How is this going to impact their family? And I was in my 20s having these very deep conversations, (laughs) you know, so somehow I keep gravitating back towards the things that ironically in college I really wanted to study psychology and marketing and my dad was like you will never get a job with those two degrees (laughs) so you have to get an accounting now dad I started a company right exactly and so it's just so ironic because every every step of my journey I was gravitating right back to either psychology or brand and marketing, which is fascinating. Well, I think, I mean, I was joked that we're part-time psychologists, even in the wealth management space, right? right? I, I was like, I got a box of Kleenex in there just because the conversations that happen, man, they get deep and they're yeah. just, you know, it's it's way more important the, the, the things in life that they want to go do versus just like you said, the quantitative stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's there. So um, what, what are some of the risks you took in life, um, you know, from, you know, obviously starting a company, leaving a great career, all those things, but what are some of the risks when you look back on your career, are you happy that you took? I think the first risk that I took was at KPMG when, um, you know, I was in auditing for two weeks and realized that that was not for me. And so going straight to my boss, literally two weeks into it and saying, I really don't think I'm in the right spot. That was a big risk because you're the new kid, you know, you're part of a huge class. And they're weeding you out. And I took a big risk in saying, hey, but I really think this is not for me. So they ended up putting me in this financial planning group, which was a division of the tax department. And then not even a year later after that, was introduced to the folks at 
headquarters that were kind of in charge of this whole group. And they were saying, yeah. we want to expand it. We want to have somebody come up and help us with the marketing. And how do we expand this? And I raised my hand and they, they looked at me and laughed. They said, you've been here for two years, or not even two years. Yeah. <laughs> this is usually for seniors or managers or whatever. And I just kept pushing. I was like, but I really you asked the question, do this. Right? Yeah. And so I think those were two very in close proximity to one another, big risks that I And took. did you get that? Did I you? did. I got uh, it. That's amazing. And went to New York and lived there for a year and a half and had this amazing experience meeting all the heads of the departments across the country. Wow. And it was just, it was amazing. So it's awesome. It was a huge risk. Yeah. And what do you think from there? What did you learn most about that? Taking that risk, being a person that's, you know, quote unquote, not ready for it. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn most from that? Um, mostly, and this is something that we talk a lot about now at Glow, but I really felt strongly. I mean, it was like a whole body. I have to do this. I don't just maybe this sounds kind of cool kind of thing. It was like, no, I need to go. I want to, you know, I want to get out of here and go experience this. Yep. I'd never lived anywhere outside of Kansas or St. Louis. And so I was like, okay, this is a big move <laughs> right. for me. And I've never lived on the East Coast, let alone in New York. And, um, but it just, it just felt right. And I didn't let any of the extra noise or the you know, even my own mind probably at the time justifying this makes no sense financially. This right. makes no sense. You know, there's probably a lot of reasons where I could have said, yeah, you're right. That's I should keep on the safe path of continuing to, you know, move forward in yeah. my career in a linear way. Yeah. I, I think sometimes the risk are, uh, like you just said, the financial may not be the smartest thing, right? Things we can walk away from. And I, it makes me think of when I started Visionary, my business partner, Tim Hammond and I, it's you know, we made this step, right? We were both doing very well in our careers. My wife was seven months pregnant, uh, eight months pregnant by the time we started, um, you know, like with our fourth child, we just yeah. built a new home. And she's like, is this the right decision? And I'm like, I, I don't know. She's like, is this the best time? I'm like, no, it's a yeah. terrible time, <laughs> right? But I think to your point is like, you always knew in your core kind yes. of what you wanted to go do, right? And I think sometimes it's just taking that leap a calculated leap, yeah. right? Knowing what you're getting into yeah. and planning and all the stuff that goes with it. But sometimes just doing it and kind of building it as you go. Would right. you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talk about it all the time with people is that, you know, if, if something feels like a full body, yes. Yeah. If you just feel it, even if on paper it doesn't make sense necessarily yeah. or whatever, but if you just feel it, it's usually the right answer because your body knows, yep. your heart your gut know way more than your mind yeah. on what's right for you. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's for me, that's what I felt was this, it was right. Like it just, I mean, I guess if you put it on paper, people are like, you're doing what? Like right. you're just going to go out and start your own RIA and do all, it's like, yeah. Yeah. But like, it was like, burn the bridges. We're never going back. It's exactly. like, this is what we're doing. And I think again, having the plan. So um, let's go and talk about what Glow Connective is. This is a company you started a number of years ago and what, three, three years ago, did you say? You just almost told me this. Three years. Yeah. Three almost years ago, three years, almost. Yeah. And so what are you doing exactly and how are you helping yeah. uh, impact the world? Yeah. And talk about a risk. Everyone thought I was crazy in yeah. 2020 going out. Like, what are you doing? We're still at home and you're yeah. starting this new company. Great and timing. Kind of leaving at the height of, uh, of your career and what you built. So, um, no, so Glow is a 
a company that we're all about transformation, whether it's personal or business. So we talk a lot about how there's so many things that are happening in our world right now that are almost forcing the hand of people to rethink systems, to rethink how we do things, to rethink um, mostly the human side of our businesses. And I just became really passionate about that, you know, businesses are going through a lot, even pre-COVID, post-COVID, and nothing to do with COVID. There's a lot of changes that were happening. And so I wanted to do things differently from the standpoint of, Yes, we need to focus on vision and strategy and processes, but it's the people part that makes or breaks the business, right? And so, so many of the complaints, I guess, that business leaders were having was, you know, people's motivation, people not wanting to work, um, which I don't subscribe to. Right. Um, How they work, when they work, all these different things. And, but the people are the lifeblood of your company. Yeah. If you don't have people you know, you're not going to have a company for very long. And so, and I, I think it's this return to, you can't just force your way to results. We really need to take a step back. And so, you know, yes, we are consultants and coaches, but we do it in a very vulnerable way. We get in there with them we, the on the consulting side. I didn't want to be the t- kind of consultancy that you know, we come in for the deep dive and the analysis, and then we leave them with a deliverable that we hope they implement. And that's not the kind of, that's not where the transformation comes because, and I was just visiting with a CEO yesterday. I said, the difference is you have all these things that you want to do. You already have a fully loaded executive team. And so adding a huge organizational change management process to your load is big and that's too much for any one person because they already have their day jobs, so to speak. And so we want to come in and support the the system change that can last well after we're gone, but it takes so much more attention and it takes someone kind of holding that. I mean, we don't know more about their business than they do, but we're really great at asking good questions and listening And then we always talk about kind of mirroring back to them what we've heard and say, is this right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this might be a little different than what we heard in the, you know, in the brand book or, you know, something like that, because we're not doing it for marketing purposes. We're doing it for how do we tap into the real soul of the company and then make that shine as bright as possible yeah. or glow. And, and I, I assume that the, the handholding that's there too, it's not just like, Hey, here's your plan and good luck. We'll see you later. Right. I mean, there's that accountability, there's yeah. the coaching, it's all the yeah. stuff that goes with it that I know for me, I've worked with a business coach for years and yeah. it's, it's the questions. And, and I've coined this thing. It's ADT is ask, don't tell. Yes. Right. So if you ask me a question and then I verbally say it, right. It's, yeah. it's maybe it's the gospel because I've said it. Right. right. Versus if you're telling right. me, I think assume that's part of the strategy as well too. Yes. through those uh, asking great questions. Exactly. Well, and I think too, what we found is there's a lot of things that don't get said. You know, maybe there's a plan already in place and, you know, you might have something rattling around in your head like, no, I really feel like we need to do this other thing, but I don't want to change the course. or yeah. I don't want to say it. Or maybe someone in the organization has some really good feedback and thoughts about you know, a disconnect that might be happening, but they don't say it, you know, it's the things that don't get said 
that really create those blocks yeah. on the true potential of the company. And then also, I feel like this, you know, we've got titles and job descriptions versus actual roles and what happens in the roles. And so we want to match people's real innate gifts, superpowers, what they're really, really good at versus what they can do, yep. because that's what energizes them. And that's what creates that glow effect. If you're doing, if you're doing something more often than not, that really does light you up and that you really enjoy, chances are you're, you're going to not be burnt out. Yeah. And that is really important from a productivity standpoint and also just the contribution to the company. If you're lit up and doing what you do, it's, there's a contagion effect to that. Yeah. So do you find though that it's hard because I mean, it'd be great, right? If you just said, here's an unlimited budget, I can yep. go out and hire this person to do what they're uniquely right. qualified to do. Yep. And I've got, you know, an extra 15 people running around. That would be awesome. Right. Yep. But sometimes, so what, how do you help that small and define small, however you want, but how do you help that small company get what they want with the people they want uh, without, you know, being able to go add another million dollars right. of payroll or something totally. like that. Right. Yeah. We love constraints. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and financial constraints is always right. part of it because it'd be it. nice if you could just, you know, like you said, have unlimited amounts of money yeah. to do whatever you want. Um, for us, every single thing comes back to real clarity. So if, if the real vision, like not the highly curated wordsmithed one right. that maybe was done several years ago, but like the true essence, and that's what we keep saying is it's the soul. Like what is it that you really want? What is it that's really amazing and unique and why you started this company and how do we tap back into that and if we can get really clear on that vision and that ethos then we can always I feel like realign people and tasks and goals yeah. and things like that because I think that sometimes it's just re-energizing to what is and also there's a bit of aspiration in any vision and goal probably but it has to be grounded in reality too and yeah. so you can't be saying oh yeah we want to do this one thing when the rest of the organization is like we're not doing that one thing that's not at all what we're doing <laughs> and so we tend to i mean it's kind of where we start is this radical clarity and getting getting to that root of the yeah. of the company because then a lot of answers become clear and so by the time we get to what we call a mirror deck where it's basically you know we're parroting back to you hey is this your real vision is this your real ethos is this and you say yes well then it becomes a decision making framework and that decision making framework is something that you can explain to your entire senior leadership team your management team and everyone in the company and their roles fit in pretty well. So it's almost like a puzzle at yeah. that point because, and we can usually find um, resources within the company that are not being tapped into. I mean, that's really fun when you get people to get re-energized uh -huh, about it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, well, what I really love to do is this. And we say, well, we need that over here. So how do we figure out doing it? And I think there's so much being talked about, about, you know, flattening organizational structures and things like that. And so our process is very much in alignment with that because it's kind of like taking out the fluff Yeah. and let's just get to what do we really need in order to accomplish this goal? 
that's what a business is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so There's a lot we, of fluff out there. You distill yeah. it down into the yeah. basics. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's super energizing. Yeah. Would you say to like, and I'll kind of be transparent here, the, my, the bread of old used to say it's always number driven. I want to, yeah. you know, have this many more advisors or this many more assets or blah, 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 all this stuff. Right. And you've got it all, but I don't know if it's as you get older, you start to do this or if it's just kind of this, that that's always what made me tick, but it's more of mission focus, right? Like you see these stickers here, this is a future greater than your past. And yep. so that's our, that's our firm's mission, helping you that. achieve a future greater than your past. Your past doesn't necessarily mean it was bad, but we want a better yeah. future. And yeah. I think for me, it's, it's more, uh, I get more energy from that uh, of working in that mission than I do. Oh, I want to go get X more advisors added on. Right. Or, and, and people will ask me in, in recruiting meetings, how many more advisors you want to have? Right. I'm like, this may turn you off, but I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't have this number of how many people we need to have, but yeah. I've got a mission that we want to go out and create right. and build and, and work on. So when right. you hear me kind of walk through that, what comes to mind numbers versus mission? I think, we advocate for the mission first because your purpose is yeah. the big thing. And so defining what that is or just getting clarity with a few bullet points on what that is, like what will success look like if we achieve it? I mean, we get to the numbers, but the numbers are kind of a sidebar, yeah. you know? Um, and they're important, obviously, because you've got to build whatever you want to build and you've got to right. have the numbers yeah. you know, grow. make sense. Yeah. But I love this, and I, I do think more people are recentering around purpose, at least the leaders who want to work with us, right? Yep. Because, I mean, if they want outside-the-box thinking and they want to do things differently, then they're in conversations yeah. with Glow. But if they want to do it the old way and just focus on the numbers and growing for growth's sake, chances are we're not going to be appealing to them. Yep. And so I think this reversion to kind of the core or the, the real foundation is really important. And the numbers take care of themselves. I mean, I'm sure you see Absolutely. that in your business. Yeah. They, they just kind of magically do when you focus on the thing that really matters. Yeah. And you make decisions in alignment with that. So an, an unaligned decision would be we've got to hit adding 20 advisors this year. It's like, but why? Right. That would be my first question. Why? It's Tell a great me what question. that number yeah. is all about. When we started to interrupt, but we talk about mission and vision aligned yes. too, right? Because yeah. in values aligned. Yes. If we don't connect on our values, it's going right. to be really hard for us to work together. And to your point, I think the more we do those three things, then it, it is, you said contagious, I think is the word you used yeah. earlier. It is, I always say it's like a magnet, right? Like think yes. about your little kids' trains. They, yes. they either went together or right. they repel each other, right? Yes. And I think that's what we can do as leaders is repel people away. And sometimes right. if they're in your culture, that may be a good thing to yep. repel them away, right? Absolutely. And that's okay. And I, and I think, you know, this kind of goes with the glow philosophy that, you know, if people are truly lit up with your purpose of your company, they're going to be happier. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be more fulfilled. And that's, that's really what it's about. You know, I mean, it's about that before the money and you're reading all of these studies now with all of, you know, our terrible mental health crisis and the levels of burnout and yeah. the you know, lack of connectivity to joy and fulfillment and all those things. Well, we as business leaders have an obligation, I think, yep. because, you know, I do, I believe people do want to work, but I think they want to be connected. I think they want to um, feel like their purpose aligns with whatever it is that they're yep. doing. And it doesn't matter what role they're filling, but they want to feel connected to that purpose and mission. And I think those companies are going to 
be more successful overall. I, I think you got into my journal here and stole my <laughs> stole my goals here because if you look, um, it says right here. What's that say? Connected goals for mm-hmm. 2023, right? Yeah. And so I a thousand percent agree with you that um, people need connection, right? Yes. And I want that connected goals for 2023 to happen. So that's kind of my word of the year. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I think she cheated and stole my, my sheet here. Um, but I, I think that's just, I know. Too. But, um, but I, I would say, so then my question becomes, uh, what you guys are doing at Glow is around the human being, right? Yeah. And there's so much stuff going on right now out there about the metaverse and yeah. chat GPT and, yeah. you know, AI and virtual reality, all this stuff, right? Yeah. So when you hear those things in one box, you hear your human connection in another, what comes together and how do those things meet or collide? One yeah. of the two, right? Right. Well, it's kind of interesting because it, and just specifically with chat GPT, we've talked a lot about this because um, so much of what we do is produce content and thought provoking pieces and things like that. And I've had a number of people say, you know what, you can do that a lot cheaper and just plug it into chat GPT and have it spit something out. And I said, yeah. So, I mean, we've experimented with that to see what they come up with. And it is a remarkable thing, but I think that we still have to figure out then what do the humans need to be doing in order, I mean, from a business perspective in pursuit of whatever business goals and what can we leverage? But it's, we've kind of been doing this already. How do we leverage technology yeah. to do jobs? I mean, you know, this has been going on for a long time as we've evolved um, through multiple cycles of our economy, you know, so I think this is just the next level of figuring out how does this impact our business? It is going to cause some people to need to revisit, I think, their purpose because some of it might be at risk. Right. Some of what they do might be at risk yeah. to being taken over by a machine. But that was the case in the early days of the industry. I mean, so yeah, this is not true. this is not new. It's just different. It seems That's disingenuous all. though, right? Like if I read an article yeah. from Glow and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And Whitney put her name on it. Like, I don't want to know really yeah. behind the scenes. You just typed in a question totally. and they put out a 500 you know, word article that you quote unquote created, right? I think that's the thing I struggle with, with it. I still think people will connect with things. You're still going to have to connect with the real. You can tell the difference. I can tell the difference between something that's been written by chat GPT and what I've written, not just because I've written it, but I mean, there's a soul. Yeah. There's a human connection. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, you know, th- there's ways to use it. Probably we haven't figured out the right balance yeah. for that, but I know it's top of mind for a lot of leaders yeah. on how do we do this. And I think for a lot of people, they feel like their jobs are at risk because some of the things that they used to do, yeah. you know, might be shortened, even if it's not completely, you know, taken over by chat GPT yeah. or AI, but there's going to, it's just going to be a different role. Yeah. I think I, I joked at a restaurant one time that you we would go in and we would order this food on this little kiosk thing. Yeah. And this person was there and I, you know, they had a good personality. You could tell, I said, but you realize you're training me to that thing to take over your job. Right. I mean, yeah. there's all these things. So you're right. There are things that are a lot at risk. So yeah. we could, we could have a whole nother podcast on that. Oh but God. what I'd like to turn the page to is, is sometimes you know, we talk well, not sometimes a lot. We always talk about our successes. Right. Yep. And, and to the extent to what you want to share is 
what what failures? I think we've all had failures. What failures have you had, and they don't have to be extreme, but what failures have you had that you learned a lot from that you could share now of what some of those biggest learnings were and some of those takeaways? Um, I think several of my failures, my biggest failures, had to do with, um, I would say, picking the wrong people and also not following the signs mm. like and just trying to overcompensate or trying to um deny know, just deny what was really going on in service of what i really wanted yeah. to be going on so i think that's where kind of my my personal transformation and my professional transformation paths you know finally collided was you know i had I had made um, some terrible, not terrible, some interesting decisions in my personal life and my professional life that I knew that were not in service of me necessarily, but I chose to see them through anyway. And it was getting out of those that is where I really learned like, wow, those were pretty big mistakes. But the good thing is, is it's actually what has made me who I am today, but also huge learnings from a glow perspective because I can identify, I can identify when people are not aligned really quickly because I was that person for so long. And on the outside looking in, you know, or you look at my career on LinkedIn or you look at all these things, you're like, whoa, you know, (laughs) all these achievements, all these things. And inside I was a shell of myself. I was not at all, you know, healthy as I am today and was totally misaligned. Mm. And so it took getting out of, um, you know, having a personal divorce and a professional divorce and going through both of those processes, which, you know, were not fun from a process perspective in the legal system. And they're also not fun, you know, to understand what, how you contributed to, you know, staying too long and all the different things. Yeah. And so there's just a massive amount of healing that had to go on in both sides. And I, I did my personal transformation that led to the first, the professional trans. So they, they overlapped, kind of but the it was yeah. definitely like, whoa, I had no idea <laughs> that I was sacrificing so much of myself and that I had low self-worth. And, you know, I tell people that and they're like, what are you talking about? You look at all the things that you've done. And I said, yeah, but it was coming all from a place of extremely low self-worth. And so I was, I mean, talk about, you know, talk about energy and um, light and glowing. You know, my light had dimmed so much, but yet from the out, from the outside looking in, you would say, but you were super successful. Like, but at what cost? Yeah. Cause I was, I just was not happy. And I, and so it's just so many things like that, that even though yes, failures, I just feel, I love the phrase fail forward because I do feel like that really is my story. I mean, I failed forward so many times and even parenting, Yeah, you know, talk about failures. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I was a single mom when my kids were six, five and three trying to figure out who I was, let alone my relationship with my kids and how to raise them. And so, you know, lots of failures. Yeah. For sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And it definitely takes a lot of courage, right. To do that and to trust yeah. your gut. And, yeah. and, uh, cause we don't want to see those signs sometimes. Right. 
Exactly. And I've always told people, I'm like, you know, when people will say, man, this decision or that decision seems like a major decision. Let's take divorce for an example, because that's, it's a major life decision and very, and it, it is courageous, but you have to make the decision about a million times because there Mm. are so many times when you think, well, be so much easier if I waited until the kids were older, it'd be so much easier if I, I can handle this. So maybe I'll just stay in. I mean, and so even though it makes so much sense, like in my case, it made great sense because I was in a terribly abusive marriage and like it just made all the sense in the world. Mm. But yet there was all these moments, you know, when I was by myself and the kids were in bed and I was like, what am I doing? I don't know how to do this alone, you know? And so you have to keep making that courageous decision moment to moment to moment. And it's like a million yeses over and over again that leads to that ultimate hmm. big decision to happen. So I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good way to look at it. It makes me think too of the fears. I always ask this question of, I'd assume there's a lot of fears that were going through your mind and in, in both those personal and professional yeah. patterns, as you said. And and so how many of the fears you put in your mind actually blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? That is a fascinating um, question because I have looked back on that and when I let the fear rule, it ended so much worse than if I just would have <laughs> persevered on the path that I was on. So meaning, so, 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 so peel that so onion on your back. Meaning, so, so the fear was there. Yes. The fear was there and I gave into the fear. Okay. And I just, I was like, okay, yeah, I can't do this. You're right. I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to make another choice. And in the, the, it's our brains are trying to actually keep us safe. Yep. And the brain's interpretation of what is safe is like what you know. What we know is more safe than the unknown. And so, and that's where it took a lot of, I don't know, a lot of different healing modalities and things to learn about how, okay, fear is, is a data point. It's, it's, my brain trying to protect me, yeah. but I need to kind of come back to myself and realize and, and assess, like, do I really, am I going to give into this or am I going to just kind of move forward anyway? And so many moments where if I would have not let fear reign, I would be in a different place. But do you think that fear reigned and then it made you adjust and go a different route? that maybe got you into a better spot or not? Um, I think I just learned. I think it was more what I've said, and, and I'm writing this book, too, about, the, about transformation and my own journey on this, too. But I talk about how ha- building a different relationship with fear is really what, yeah. res- what the result was. Because I had to go through all of these very fearful moments and learn from those so that I could figure out what is my relationship. And so now it's almost kind of this, okay, when a fear comes up, it's like, what, what do I need to be paying attention to? What, what What's am this I, telling what am me, I right? missing? Yeah, yeah. What, what data can I learn from this so that I can then kind of come back to center 
and make a decision that's not fear-based. Yeah. Like use the fear as a data point and then move forward kind of from a place of calm. Yeah. You know? So I've heard you say the words calm and energy and come back to center, which I assume means that we probably practice either yoga or meditation or something like that. So uh, I'm very transparent on here that, that, that uh, meditation changed my life from a standpoint oh, awesome. of dealing with uh, anxiety as yeah. a kid, as an adult, as a professional and having yeah. to you know, go speak on a stage somewhere and I would get sick in the bathroom, yep. you know, at the four seasons in St. Louis before you go on stage, whatever. Yeah. Right. And, but now I've had to take to your point earlier, fear. Um, I've had to take my anxiety and make it a friend, yes. right? I have conversations with my exactly. anxiety, you know, a fair amount. So yeah. when you hear me say, share my vulnerabilities there, what comes to mind for you and, and what are the, the quote unquote tools that you have in your toolbox to help you through yeah. either fear or anxiety? Well, first of all, I love that. And I love that you're so transparent with your audience about that, because I do think there's a lot of learning to be had and, and using some of these practices, yeah. whatever it is, breath work, meditation, yoga. Um, part of my, the, one of the major parts of my journey uh, to back to myself really was starting yoga. And I started for the pure workout part of it. I didn't right. know anything about it. I didn't know what downward dog was. Like, right. I knew nothing. And I, I went because I was really drawn to the teacher. Yep. And I was drawn to the message. And I was drawn to when they would be educating you on, you know, what happens on your mat and how that mirrors what goes on off the mat in your life and recognizing different patterns about yourself. And it was this completely... Um, I don't know, journey of self-awareness of going, oh my gosh, I do do that. I do leave Shavasana because I think I don't have two minutes to to sit there. Right. Or, you know, and kind of the same with meditation. You think, you know, early on as I was starting meditation, I was like, I can't stop my brain. There's no yeah, way. I got tough. too many things. And it's hard. That's, I guess, why they call it a practice because, right. it, you know, you, you aren't an expert at it. At least I wasn't until many, many years doing it. And I'm still not an expert, but there's so much to learn from that. And I think that, you know, we've been taught certain things from an academic or society or whatever, but nowhere in there, you know, have they said, learn about yourself, recognize your own patterns, recognize how you react or respond to things. And so there's so much richness in learning about ourselves and then therefore how we interact with others which um, I think we could all learn from. So yeah. I love talking to other people that it doesn't seem like that woo-woo stuff right. that you right. know, people in California or you know, other exactly. places talk about um, because I just think that it's this incredible opportunity for us to learn about ourselves. Yeah. And, and especially if we can get to the place to realize that we are all connected, all of our actions impact each other, and I think that's such a powerful force um, that we could be tapping into, especially yeah. right now. I think it would bring everybody a lot more joy and hopefully reduce some conflicts that exist yeah. out there. I, I agree. And it's funny, I, I share that usually at the end of my talk, my anxiety journey. And it's funny because, you know, when you're up there on stage or you're talking, people are like, to your point earlier, like, what? You were what? Like, yeah. you see your resume? Well, it's funny because then usually after every time you speak, there's, you know, three, five, ten people come up to you. He's like, oh my God, of all the stuff you shared, thank right. you for sharing that, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think we do have to be vulnerable and transparent and yeah. share those things out there. But it's for me, 
the breathing and the meditation part helped me. Like even if I'm in a big meeting or I'm something and I'm getting a little anxious or just because you can't really explain why it comes in. It just does right, right. as how you can breathe yourself through that. So for people that are listening, there's a great um, uh, new uh, documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it's called... Uh, well, it's by Headspace. You've heard the app oh, yeah. Headspace. Yeah. So that's where I actually started yeah. my journey with meditation okay. was through Headspace. And now Andy Pudicom is on a documentary called Meditation or How yeah. to Learn Meditation, something like that. You'll find it on it's there. Great. But it's phenomenal for people who are listening. Go check yeah. it out. So um, if I follow you around, Whitney, and I said, okay, every day I'm going to see some things that happen. What are, what are the no-miss items that I'm seeing consistently show up in your life? Um, for sure, getting up and working out. Um, what time do you get up around five fifteen? Okay. It's been kind of a habit for a while now. And I just am so much more clear if I, whether it's a run or yoga, whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. I just, I notice a material just keep your body moving. if I don't. Yeah. yeah. And even if it's 30 minutes, if that's all I have that day or something like and that. And if I can interrupt, you said yeah. material difference. So, I mean, that, that's a big word, right? Like yes. you're, you're, you see it big time in your life. Yes. Yeah. And now it's so interesting because I used to have to cram in the workout in order to do all the things in the morning. Yeah. And I've given myself so much more grace because my most creative time of day is in the morning. Okay. And so I can't, go, I can't not go on a run and get some huge idea or make some connection or solve something that has been rattling. And I don't even do it intentionally, but running is very meditative for me. Yep. So that action while I'm, you know, just yep. stepping on the pavement, it actually creates a meditative environment for me. Um, and so I get a lot of, I get a lot of things for our content or our clients or whatever yeah. when I run. And so it's almost this, if I tell myself, oh, it's too cold out. I'm not going to go on my run today. Easy to do. I know. Oh, it's so easy. <laughs> um, I automatically know my answer needs to be, I'm going to feel so much better if I just do that. And again, even if I only have a short amount of time. So that's something I don't sacrifice. And even, even when I um, was a new single mom, I had this Sunday morning yoga practice that I never missed. Even if I had my kids, even if yeah. whatever was going on, I had to make this practice work because... It was both the teacher and the community that was kind of my church, yeah. so to speak. It was, and so, um, so there's been different, I guess, examples of that over time. That you know, some kind of either yoga or running that I just don't miss. Yep. But for sure, that's yeah. the one thing that I. Don't what else miss. is there? Anything else that comes to mind? Um, I think now I am doing a better job of not starting my days until after nine, like giving myself that easier morning yeah. so that I can get either. I typically journal every day. Um, that's usually just some kind of release. You probably agree considering you can see three journals sitting right. here on my yeah, desk, right? Exactly. <laughs> I have different ones for different things. I have to do a shameless plug. This, I just created this. This is, oh, cool. uh, I just is on Amazon. This is like 20 years of my life coming together into uh, one journal that now oh, can amazing. be on Amazon. So I'm pretty oh, pumped about that. that. So I'm I not an that. author, like you're writing a book, but no, I'm at least, a, I'm that's a, okay. I'm a jother, a journal author or something. That. So yeah, um, journaling so, is super powerful. So what do you do during your journaling? How do you do it? Um, I usually just start with writing whatever is in my head because I wake up and I've 
I, I think I usually have something on my mind from a dream or yeah. whatever. And so it's nice to just kind of get it out. Um, and so I'll just kind of, I don't have a purpose to my journaling. Yep. Unless just writing sentences in paragraph yeah. form, kind of. Yeah. Sometimes I'll draw something, or I'm a very visual person. Yeah. I like to draw things, and so um, uh, and sometimes, I mean, it's kind of fascinating. I have stacks of journals too from over the years, and it is interesting to kind of randomly flip back through, yep. and how many common themes, especially around still there, flow, are yeah. still there. And sometimes it's nice to be able to tap back into that and say, oh, this is not a new idea. You had this thought in 2018. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how do you now, are you are you good or not good at staying in the moment, would you say? Kind of enjoying that journey and staying in the moment. I think it's, um, I think I'm super aware of presence. I, I try to... I think especially now I've got one in college and two on the brink of college. I feel like that's another reminder of it is, isn't it? presence, yeah. you know? And so I think, I think I try to be mindful. I don't, I'm definitely not perfect with it at all, but what is perfect. And yeah. so, um, but I, I try to be really mindful. Like if, with, if I'm with a client, I'm with them. Yeah. I'm not doing anything else. And because usually you know, we're there to hold that space and, and provide that safe space for us to be vulnerable and, you know, solve things differently. And so if I'm distracted by my phone, then I'm not really doing our, what we preach. Right. So, and also trying to help model that for these leaders who are like, oh, I've got this device and this iPad and this yeah. thing open. It's like, no. Yeah, let's shut her down. We need to shut let's it go all to a down piece of paper and, just, and an ink pen. Right, exactly. Old school. Is there anything that you do in your day? I uh, assume there is. That's why I'm asking the question. But there's just no recollection of time. Like you, you have no idea. Because you know, some people are like, oh, is, is it noon yet so I can go to lunch? Is it five yeah. o'clock yet so I can go home? I, I assume you're like me. Like that doesn't really happen. You can just wake up like, oh, wow, it's that right. certain time. What is it that you're doing where you have no idea what's what time even is? Um, two things probably. One would be if I get some kind of ping or spark of inspiration and I just start writing about it. I don't know if I'm writing for five minutes or yeah. 30 minutes. It just kind of all just starts going and then I look up and whatever time has passed. But it just feels like I go into some kind of vortex and it's just <laughs> like I'm so focused, hyper-focused. Um, that and I would say when I'm in, I guess I'll loosely call this creation mode. Um, if I'm trying to solve something and I'm just kind of really deep in thought and I turn everything off and I kind of probably just look like I'm sitting and staring at a wall, but my mind Which is, is important to do, by racing. the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I did that yesterday actually, and it was something that I hadn't quite figured out yet and it was really bothering me and I knew that it was something that I needed to get solved this week. Yep. And so um, some space opened up on my calendar um, serendipitously and I was alone in my office and I thought, all right, well, I don't really know. And I have a huge whiteboard paint on my one wall in my office. And so I just sat there and it was, it was blank. And I sat there and I just thought, okay, I'm going to grab a marker when it's time, but I'm going to wait and see what comes up. 
and it was great. And I think about an hour and a half went by and it felt like nothing. It's amazing. So, yeah. You can see my dry erase boards are my windows yes, here. Yeah, I love that. See. I <laughs> so love that. I don't have much wall space. But um, but it's funny you say that because I'm a big, big believer in telling people and, and trying to coach people to do this. But most don't because they're quote unquote busy, right? And yes. I call it strategic think time. And so yeah. you see this black journal. There's all those over there that are full. And so yeah. every Wednesday... For an hour and a half, I have on my calendar, it's just on repeat. And it's been for probably, gosh, 15 years. And it's the best hour and a half time. And most people, and I've done this before, is you'll schedule over it, right? Right. Schedule over. But I think that time is is critically important for us as leaders and as a parent, as a a spouse, whatever, uh, to spend time thinking. And so um, just want to throw that out there. But one of the final questions I have for you, I I, I like this because I usually learn some fun things about people, but is if I stole your cell phone, Mm -hmm. besides like if it's email or Instagram or LinkedIn, whatever, is there anything on your phone that you would be like, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't delete that because I really, really use this to impact your life, impact others' lives, or just something you love to do? Probably my notes app. Um, That's where I I keep joking that my run times get slower and slower because I'm so often stopping to write something really fast or I get an idea about something. And I have, I don't even know how many notes at this point where (laughs) it's not even a fully baked cohesive piece or anything, but it's, it's the spark of something. And, and I've tried, oh, I'll remember later. I'll remember when I get home and I never do. And so now I just stop in my tracks. So if I lost my notes app, that would be be devastating. I mean, it would just be, I mean, I would recreate it, I'm sure, but it would just be, wow. Cause sometimes if I'm flipping back through to, you know, we've got a weekly new newsletter that I put out every week. Sometimes I'm looking back on some of those little sparks of inspiration to say, oh, is that something that yeah. I want to do? So, yeah, that would probably end my calendar. Yeah. That's probably because everything I, I you run I your life by your calendar. Yes, yeah. I basically take all that extra stuff out of my brain so I don't have to remember it. And I just put it all in my yep. calendar. So. That one would be really tough yes. to recreate. Yes. Yeah. Well, Whitney, it's been awesome having you on the Circuit of Success. Where can our listeners find more of Glow and find more and follow you? Yeah. So we're on LinkedIn, Glow Connective, where mm-hmm. uh, our website is www.glow with an E, G L O W E, and it's connective.com. Yeah. Um, and I would love to connect with your listeners on LinkedIn yeah. personally as well. And we're on Instagram too. Yeah. LinkedIn primarily. Well, obviously you answer your own stuff because you're sitting here today. Yeah. like, you know, less than a week since we sent the message. Yeah, so exactly. it's been awesome. But it's been so great having you. Oh, and man, thanks for so sharing glad. your story. And uh, it's, it's very, very inspiring. So thanks for all you're doing. Awesome. Thank you.